school, they have a class now right out here in the foyer. There's a classroom over here. So if you're sixth grade through high school, um, if you would like, you can kind of skip out and go out there with them. Look, they're all leaving. That's great. <laughs> we'll get that started now. That's great. Um, the other thing is, too, we have a 8.30 service as well for those who are in the most vulnerable category. Um, and that, that's 8.30 service, are mask required. And it's a, it's a smaller service. We had about 30 some odd people here this morning, which was fantastic and uh, able to kind of spread out. So if you, here's the thing, if you know people who really want to go to church, but they're, they're nervous, that 8.30 service is going to be perfect. All right, so encourage people that you, you may know, like even people don't normally go to church and maybe they're at a place right now in their lives where they're a little overwhelmed and they, they just need some connection. Um, invite them. You come to the 830 service as well. Just make sure you wear a mask and invite them with and a great opportunity just to reach out to people who are more vulnerable. You know, I always wanted to be one of King Arthur's Knights of the Round Table right? I mean, I just, there's something about the idea of being a knight, and I'm not talking about just, oh, I get to wear this, I'm just the, what they stood for, if you watch different movies, and, but truth be told, if I couldn't be, if I couldn't be a pastor, I would want to be the captain of the Starship Enterprise, I really would. I mean, I just the idea of being able to travel the universe and, and see all these incredible things, it, it just, it'd be amazing. But sadly, we don't have the technology yet. I always thought, I tell my family, I want to be the, I want to start the church, first church on Mars. You know, just like your last 10 years, they shoot you, they get you to Mars, you're, you know, you know, you got, I don't know how old that would be, but the last 10 or 15 years of my life, I could be the first pastor on Mars, and my wife, Deb's like, not happening. All right, I'm not going to Mars, so you're not going to Mars, so put that out of your head, because she actually thinks that I'll do it, and she's probably right. But I would want to be the pastor of this, I mean the pastor of, I want to be the captain of the Starship Enterprise. But again, you don't have the technology, and the heroic, um, noble knights who rush in to save the day at the last minute, um, they're just not around anymore. That you know, it doesn't happen. That's a thing, that's a thing of the past. Gone, gone are the simple times when when knights would, would rush in and knights stood for truth and protecting the weak and, and standing up, you know, for for justice, for people who can't defend themselves. Yet several several centuries before knights even came on the scene, Paul challenged the church to have a mindset of nobility and honor. He was challenging the church. He would write to different churches and he would say, you need to, you need to be noble, you need to be honorable. In Philippians chapter four, verse eight, it says this, finally, brothers and sisters, and we talked about that, what that means last week. He says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. This is so, boy, what, a perf what perfect timing for this sermon series, right? 
I mean, your mind is carried away. If it's not COVID-19, then it's riots in the streets and people taking over cities. And I mean, the, the stress level and all the things, and it's constantly, we're constantly bombarded by all the negative things that are going to happen, jobs and all. And, and Paul's saying, no. Okay, it's important to recognize what's going on around you. But think about such things, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right. Get your mindset on those things. Get your focus on those things. Paul is telling us that we need, every single one of us, this could change your life completely. He's saying you need to prioritize your thoughts. So you let your thoughts run wild. We're not taught this pretty much anywhere. So people just get caught up and they're stressed out, there's anxiety, they're overwhelmed, they're depressed, they're discouraged. Their, their minds just go wherever, wherever the culture tells it to go, wherever the different you know, media outlets pull you in. And Paul's saying, no, you need to prioritize your thoughts here. Every word he uses, every single word he uses leads us closer to Christ-likeness leads us to be more like Jesus Christ. Every word, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, if anything is excellent, anything is praiseworthy, every single, every single one of these things helps us become more like Jesus Christ, who was perfect. Are we going to be perfect on this earth? No. But my goodness, if you can get anywhere close to thinking like Jesus thought, it would transform your life. You'd be anxious about less. You'd be worried about less. You'd be stressed about less. Your, the future would not over. What's going to happen? What's going to happen? I'll tell you what's going to happen. God's going to be in control, and then you're going to die, and you're going to spend eternity with him. That's what's going to happen. People ask me, come to my office sometimes, oh, Pastor Jeff, I had like four or five guys come in, like between 18 and 23, and they're like, oh, what are we going to do? We're reading all this stuff, and what happens if? What happens if? What happens if? What happens if? I said, let me explain something to you. So let's walk through your scenario. If that happens, I'm going to get up in the morning, rub my eyes, put my pants on, get dressed, go to work, share the gospel, share the love of Christ with people. What about this? That's different. Well, then I'm going to get up in the morning, I'm going to put my pants on, I'm going to go to work. What if they take away whatever? Then I'm going to put my pants on, go to walk to work, and whatever. What if they tell you, then I'm going to put my pants on and I'll get up into prison? I don't, see, the thing is, if, you're, if, you're, if Christ is your foundation, your focus doesn't matter. God is in control. The world's not in control. Culture's not in control unless you allow them to be. No matter what happens, if the world changes completely, what am I called to do? I'm called to share the love of Jesus Christ with anyone who will listen. You know, here's the thing. Put Paul in prison. Boom, he was sharing the gospel. Chain him to some... Chaining someone, <laughs> chaining Paul to someone, you got to feel sorry for the person he's chained to. <laughs> it's like, oh my God, <laughs> when, is my, when is my time up? Rome was completely transformed, not through war and not through battles or whatever else. Rome was won to Christianity, okay, through being, Paul being chained to people. Little by little, right, over time, transforming people's lives. Jesus, Jesus is the fulfillment if we want to be the goal is to be like him he's the fulfillment of truth of nobility of character of integrity of of, of just trustworthiness purity love 
He's a fulfillment of all those things. And, and, and his life, his life is what we should all be, be striving for. We should all be aspiring to be more like him. He laid that all out for us. So here's the thing. If it's okay, what I want to do this morning is I want to kind of skip over um, till, for a few weeks whatever is true, and I want to focus on this morning whatever is noble. I want, to, I, want to, I want to talk about that. It's Father's Day, so I would like to kind of use the whatever is noble first because I think that fits in really nice with Father's Day. We'll do that for a couple of weeks and we'll come back to whatever is true. And honestly, I could honestly spend the entire summer on whatever is true. I mean, think about that. But we'll, we'll talk about whatever is true in a couple of weeks. So Paul says we need to think about whatever, whatever is noble. What does it mean to be noble? The word noble can also be, is also translated in other versions. Like you have the NIV, it's noble. In other versions, it says honorable. Or it could, it, it could mean reverent or respectable. All of those things, that's what he's talking about. He's talking about being honorable. He's talking about being noble. He's talking about being reverent. He's talking about being respectable. When people see you, if you're a noble person, you're an honorable person, you're a reverent person, you're a respectable person. People see you and they know your character. Now, the word noble is only found four places in the New Testament, and every single time that word is used, it has to do with a person's character. And the reason being is that people know you by your character. You say, well, they, 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 you know, people can know me by my physical appearance. Here I come, my, my physical appearance. Yeah, people will know you. They, they, they can recognize you by your physical appearance, but honestly, they don't know you right? They don't know you. You're known by your character. When's the last time you went to a funeral, for example, and someone got up and started talking about how nice that person's hair was? They had the most sparkly eyes, you know what I mean? No one's talking about that. Everyone's talking about the person's character. Everyone's talking about how that person influenced them by how they lived their lives, the kind of person that they were, you are known by how you live your life. You're not known by your outward appearance. That's why God says, you know, you all, you all judge by outward appearance, but God judges the heart. God cares about the heart. God's concerned about who we are inside. As a Christian, Jesus is our standard for honor. He is our standard for character. And he proved that we could live on this earth and we could live a noble life. We could live an honorable life. He proved that because he was here. And that same, you say, well, yeah, but he was Jesus. He was God. Okay, but here's the thing. That same Jesus through the Holy Spirit, lives in you right now. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, then Christ lives in you. The blood of Jesus Christ flows through your veins. So you may not be able to live as honorably and as nobly or reverent or, you know, as Jesus Christ did, but honestly, you need to, you need to work and strive to get as close as you can because we, we can do it. There are, there are people that you know, your grandfather or grandmother or some, there are people that you know that have lived honorable lives and you say, I want to be just like so-and-so. Paul said, Paul was an honorable man. He was a noble man. And Paul said, follow my example as I follow the example of Jesus Christ. So he proved it's possible to live on earth with honor. 
That's why it's so imperative that we focus our attention, we focus our hearts and we focus our attention on becoming more like Christ. Being in the, we need to focus our attention, our minds, our thoughts on Christ. And we need to live, and we've talked about this over and over again, we all need to try to live in the presence of God. Because if you want to be honorable and you want to be noble, you want to be reverent, then you need to be in the presence of God. You need to be living every moment that you can in the presence of God. I was thinking about believers this week, a follower of Jesus Christ, and thinking that you, you know we're, we're all in the presence of God all the time. We just don't recognize it. The Holy Spirit, God indwells us. So we are in the presence of God all the time. We just don't recognize it. We just don't live it out that way. We don't realize it. We don't, we don't think about the fact that he dwells in us and that we actually have more power than we think. We're actually more capable of doing these things than we think. We forget that we can be the hero of our own story because of what Jesus Christ did for us. People often say, even especially in times like this, why doesn't somebody do something? Forgetting that you are somebody and you are capable of doing something more than you think. Well, what can I do? What can I have? What should... No, you are somebody. You're a person in, created in the image of God. You're a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a person who belongs to God. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You are a joint heir of Jesus Christ. That's who you are. So when, it said, when you say, well, why doesn't somebody do something? You're more than somebody, and you are more than capable of doing something extraordinary. God's spirit lives in me. God's spirit lives in you. The goal is realizing it. The goal is to realize it and then having that truth impact every single area of your life. Every area, whatever you do. Living in the presence of God. I was, uh, I bit off more than I could chew yesterday. I was chopping down a, um, I was chainsawing, I wasn't chopping down. Uh, but I, I, was, I needed to get rid of two 20-year-old weeping willows. And, uh, and I, you know, I thought, it's going to be a long day. I walked up on those weeping willows on my little chainsaw. I was like, uh. <laughs> and, I, and I wasn't wrong either. I chopped down. But here's what I did before I started chopping these weeping willows down. I said, I'm going to chop these weeping willows down to the glory of God. Because pe all people do is they think about how, you know, in the presence of God, I'll sit underneath the weeping willow tree. Well, you can. You can, right? You'll be in the presence of God. I'm going to sit underneath the weeping willow tree in the shade and think about the Lord. That's fantastic. I still have a couple more weeping willows. I'll sit under the shade of those weeping willow trees. But you know what? I can also glorify God while doing the work of taking down a tree. I can also think about God being in the presence of God while doing anything and everything. The goal is to realize that we are in the presence of God, that God lives in each one of us. So Paul says, whatever is noble or, again, honorable. Whatever is noble and honorable. The question, uh, question uh, think about this individually. Are your thoughts are your thoughts. He says, think about such. I'm not asking if your actions, you can fake people out with your actions. Okay, I was actually fishing with a friend uh, last week, and he told me a story when he was younger. He was in his 20s and 30s. He was playing this church, asking them to come and play, because they had a band. 
and he was playing and after it was over he went back to, behind the church had a big pond and everything and he was he was fishing back there in the pond and the pastor came back and sat down and hit this guy was not a believer and he was just you know he was partying harding you know and he was back there fishing and partying and the pastor came back and said you got some more of that he's like uh sure and then the pastor said, you got to smoke. He said, and I'm not saying smoking is the worst thing in the world. I'm just saying the pastor was basically doing and saying everything this other guy was saying. And he was like, what's going on here? And the pastor said, yeah, this whole, this whole past thing is kind of a gig for me. It's, it makes money. I make more money doing this than I can do other things. And the guy, the, the guy I was with said, hey, the guy could preach. He was good. But he didn't believe anything he was saying. I'm not asking you if your outward expressions are noble. They should be. But I'm asking you, are your thoughts, are your thoughts honorable? Are they worthy of respect? That's a pretty intense thing to think about, right? You start looking into your own heart and judging your own motives. Are your thoughts noble? Are they worthy of respect? I've studied that word. As I've studied that word, noble and honorable, I tried to really make it personal. Instead of just kind of, you know, because what happens is sometimes you sit down and you start studying something. When I study something, I, long before you hear it and long before I'm challenging you to live this way, I'm challenging myself for, for weeks. Am I living this way? I made it personal. Am I noble? And then the question comes, okay, we're talking about noble and honorable. What does it actually mean to be noble? Well, strap in because I'm gonna, we're going to be answering that question for the next couple of weeks here. With our time today, what I'd like to do is I want to start painting a picture of a noble person, of an honorable person. It's kind of laying out that picture. It's the kind of person that I want my family to see in me. Now, it's Father's Day, all right? So happy Father's Day. And so I'm going to be focusing more on the men because that's, you know, because it's Father's Day. On Mother's Day, the whole thing was pretty much kind of light and lively. And, you know, just we I told a bunch of jokes and stuff. No jokes this morning, guys. Okay, you're, you're getting it. Okay, two barrels, all right? What does it mean to be noble? What does it mean to be honorable? Here's the thing, though. It doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman or a child. It doesn't really matter because the principles I'm going to share with you um, you can apply to your life. It doesn't, doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman. You can apply these principles to your life. Okay, so number one, number one, a man or a woman um, of honor is a person who realizes they, they must die before they can truly live. They need, to, they need to get in their minds that, I, you know, I need to die before I can truly live. Now, if you've come to church, maybe for the first time, someone invited you, or you haven't been in church in a long time, you're thinking to yourself, I, I came here to get encouraged. Now you're telling me I've got to die? So the question is, we've got to kind of talk about what does that actually mean? The question is, die to what? Because you come in here you're thinking, I don't want to, I'm not going to die. I'm not going to, what are you talking about? So the question is, die to what? Well, the answer to the question is, and, I, and this is really difficult, die to self first. Die to the things of this world. Die to the pressures of this culture, cultural influences. Listen to Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. Listen to what it says. I have been crucified with Christ. 
when you're crucified, you die. I have been crucified with Christ. So when you gave your life to Jesus Christ, your life that you used to live is dead. You've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Now, first you think, man, that's, whoa, I'm not sure. That's incredible. I, I, I died. And, and so that's really difficult to achieve, to live like, you're, you, like you're die, you've died. But here's the other good thing about it. You died and Christ now lives and dwells in you. Like I said before, think about that for a moment. We way underestimate our abilities in this world. We play, we don't get it, my friends. We don't understand theologically. We don't understand biblically what that actually means. So in Colossians 3, 5, it says this. Okay, so now you died to self. And then you're, now you're a believer, but you're, you're, still, you're still selfish and you're still you know, self-centered and you're still being, being manipulated by the culture and the world and you kind of fall into certain patterns. So, so first you've got that standing with God that you've died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God, right? But now you're living every single day and you're still struggling. So Colossians 3, 5 says, put to death every day put to death put to death therefore whatever belongs to the earthly nature sexual immorality impurity lust evil desires greed which is idolatry we also need to be dead this is now this is a tough one too we also need to be dead to the need for the applause okay of this world for the adulation of this world the recognition of this world we also need to die for the need you can live a comfortable life but you need to die to the, for the, to the need of living a comfortable life or to the temptations of this world. Those are the things that we need to put to death. A man of honor is moved by God's priorities, period, not his own. If you're an honorable, if you want to be an honorable man or woman, if you want to be a, a noble man or woman, you need to die to those things, to the things that, you know, I need my way. I want what I want. God's priorities are number one, period, and nothing else comes even close. That person is dead to their, if you will, to their own self-interest. They, they, they cannot compromise their conscience at any cost for any reason. Once they know what the word of God says and that becomes something in their conscience, that becomes a conviction, they will not compromise their convictions. That's what a noble person is. That's what an honorable person is. I talked about knights in the very beginning. Well, the idea of a knight is that they're going to stand up for truth and they're going to fight to the death and nothing's going to stand in their way because that's their code. As Christians, we have more than a code. We have the word of God. And when an honorable man makes a commitment, nothing will be able to stop it. Nothing will get in the way. Nothing will, will hamper that person. Not position, not personal benefit. They will not change. They will hold their ground. We need to trust in and we need to live for Christ's interests alone. You died, hear me again, I'm going to say this again. You died, okay, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. So you died to self and Christ now indwells you. So we need to live for Christ's interests 
alone. Second, a man of honor must be sure they're fighting the right battles. I got to tell you, I am watching way too many people fight for way too many things, and they're not always they're not always the right battles. They, they need to fight for what is right and what is true, not in their own minds, but in God's. God determines what is right and true. You need to fight battles that are right and true, not in, in, in God's eyes, not in their own eyes. And, and the man of honor or character or needs to have the wisdom to be able to discern between those two things. They need to be able to discern. And they need to be able to stand under the pressure and not cave when it comes to holding to their biblical worldview. They, not, they cannot cave to the pressure. They stand up regardless of what, what kind of influence is around them in culture or any place else. doesn't matter. They will, if they know that their, their position is true and right and honorable in God's eyes, they will not move, they will not give their, that ground. Here, here's the thing I, I've been thinking about. Your political views do not alter your biblical worldview or your theology. Your cultural views, your social views on different issues, they should not alter your biblical worldview. It's the other way around. Your theology and your biblical worldview, the word of God, alters your view on politics. It alters your view on culture. It alters your view on social issues. And what most people do now is they basically, they get around a bunch of people and they want to think like them because honestly, just, let's just be honest. They want to be loved by the world. Now, no one's going to admit that, but they admit it by their very, by their very, the way they express themselves. Well, you know, I know, I know the Bible says this, but I feel what I think, what I feel about that issue is, well, this is what Romans says. Well, this is what Hebrews says. Well, this is what this is. Well, I know, but I just feel, let me, and I'm going to say this in the nicest way I can. God doesn't care what you feel when it comes to certain issues and things like that. What does he say? People ask me my opinion. What's your opinion on this? What's your opinion on that? I go, wait, let me just I'll go right there. My opinion is, well, my opinion about that is, well, my opinion about that is, I don't have an opinion on most things. Ask me what's the best bait for catching a catfish? I'll tell you my opinion. We took chicken. We dipped chicken, okay, in strawberry jello and let the jello soak into the chicken. We used all these other kind of really cool baits and everything. You know what the catfish bit on? The jello. My opinion is chicken dipped in jello is a great catfish. That's my opinion. Okay? Other than catfish biting jello dipped in chicken dipped in jello and things like that, I'll give you my opinion. I don't have an opinion on most things. The problem is, here's how I feel. This is what I think. God's not concerned or interested in what you think or feel about things that have already been said in the word of God. We need to, men and women of, of God, men and women who are noble and honorable, they're, they're people of courage. They are, they are courageous, unmoved by obstacles, 
undeterred by the odds, even if that means they need to stand alone. If you're the last person in your school, in your office, in your home, who holds to God's truth, then you stay the last person. They are undeterred by the odds. And they have a brave heart that is willing to stand alone if that's necessary. We must rise up, or he or she must rise up and confront the enemy. Even if that enemy seems too overwhelming to defeat in your mind. Because a person who is noble, a person who is honorable, recognizes they're actually not fighting the battle. God fights the battle for them. God goes before them. So even if they, when they walk into a situation, they need to rise up and they need to take on the enemy, even in their own eyes, if they recognize and say, I cannot win that battle. Because a person of honor, a noble person realizes it's not my strength that I'm drawing from, it is the strength of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so they take on, they fight that battle because they know ultimately it's God's battle. And again, greater is he that is not me, greater is he that is in me than anything that is in the world. They recognize that. So no battle is a losing battle as long as you're standing for truth. They need to be a workman who is approved, okay, approved for battle. They need to, they need to have a spirit of endurance and they need to be prepared for whatever may come their way. And guys, it changes constantly. You, you say to yourself, I can't wait till this COVID thing is over. COVID-19, I can't wait till it's over. I can't wait till these riots and all this unrest stop. I can't wait till, I can't wait till, I can't wait. Honestly, and I'm not being, trying to be discouraging, but once that's over, right, it's something else. It just keeps on coming. They got to keep, they got to keep that, the media needs to keep something keeping you watching. And the things that keep you watching are mostly stressful. Make you anxious, worried about the future. We're all going to die. What happens next? You know what the next election is going to be? The next election is going to be the most important election in the history of humanity. Do you know that? The most, this next election is the most important. If, if, if your guy doesn't win, seriously, I don't know what you're, just go, just go hide in a hole somewhere because this is the most important thing. And if he doesn't win, what's God? I could just, here's what God's going to do if someone, your guy doesn't win or she or he, well, it's two guys now. So if your guy doesn't win, this is what God's going to be doing in heaven. Oh no, what am I going to do? I didn't anticipate that. I didn't think Biden was going to win. Oh my, Jesus, Holy Spirit. What do I, what? And they're all going to be wringing their hands in heaven. And the angels are going to be going, they're wringing their hands, they're rubbing their hands on their pants because they're all sweaty. You really think that's going to happen? No. no. But we're going to be down here, oh no, you know what I mean? <laughs> I'm sorry, I thought to myself, oh, thank God. At least we had the Supreme Court, whatever, and da 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 da, eight years ago, and then now, and, and <laughs> no matter what you think, the opposite happens, right? Now we gotta get more Supreme Court people on there because we're all gonna die if so and so doesn't get elected to the Supreme Court, and it never works out the way you want it to. But here's the deal God, here's here, let me tell you your future. 
leave this building, here's, here's your future. God is in control of all things until you die, and then you spend eternity with him. I win either way, okay? And you know what an older pastor once told me? The darker it becomes, the more bright the, the gospel will shine. More people will come to know Christ. So I'm not saying bring on the darkness, but I'm not going to really worry about it too much either. Third, a man of honor needs to guard their tongue. Guard their tongue. They should reflect on the words that come out of their mouths before they come out of their mouths. They reflect on what they're about to say before they speak it. They never belittle, they never belittle or, or degrade those around them to make themselves look better or in some way position themselves um, to be in a stronger whatever. They don't put you down to put themselves up. And they measure every word they say to the word of God. Everything they choose, whatever comes out of them, and I know none of us can live up to this every single day, but you know what? We need to strive to become more. We need to strive to get even stronger. Every word that a noble, honorable person speaks is filtered through the word of God. And when it's not, they apologize for it. Listen, you may forget, okay? You, you may forget tomorrow the kind words that you use to encourage someone else in your life, but most likely the person you're encouraging will never forget your words. There are teachers that you, and from a positive and negative, I'm fucking positive, there are teachers and coaches and grandparents and friends who've said things to you that have changed your life. You've never forgotten them. And I'll tell you what, the person who said them to you, they may have forgotten what they said but you didn't. We need to remember that. Next, a person of honor, for, for a person of honor, conscience is sacred, sacred. Their every action should demonstrate a biblical pattern of love, courage, and faith. Love, courage, and faith. Their motives should be measured against the selfless sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Every single one of us. We should measure our actions. We should measure our thoughts. We should measure our motives against the selfless sacrifice of what Jesus Christ has done for us. When an honorable man gives their word, it is a sacred bond. It is, a, it is an unbreakable covenant. They will not go against conscience for, at any cost, for any reason. Once they give, once that the word of God is planted in their minds, and once they know what is true, they will do what they know to be right. And nothing on this earth and no pressure can move them from their position. Honor, integrity, they will, be, they will not be moved. And finally, a man of honor is a protector of the weak. Is a, they, they are a protector of the weak. He fights against, listen to me, he fights against all injustice wherever it may be found. A person will, that person will protect the vulnerable at all costs. 
It doesn't matter if it costs that person their very lives. They will stand up for and defend those who cannot defend themselves. When they see injustice, where, no matter where it comes from, they stand their ground, they stand up and they speak. As a church, just a little side note, as a church, we have existed throughout our 20 years We've existed to defend those who cannot defend themselves, to fight against injustice, whether, whether, whether that is related to race or socioeconomic status. And we as a church will stand up and defend those who can't defend themselves from conception to the person takes their last breath. We will stand up for what is right and what is true, and what is noble, God hates injustice, and we as a church will stand and defend those who are being harmed and being treated in an unjust way. Here's the bottom line, guys. Here's, the bottom, here's really the bottom line. The world is changed by your example, not by your opinion. The world is changed by by my example. And I'm not just talking my outward example, but how I live my life being reflected on my thoughts, holding my thoughts true. The world is changed by your example. It is not changed by your opinion, honestly, not changed by your feelings. So let's set an example for other people to follow. Let, let's truly think of ways that we can, how can we live our lives in such a way that we set an example for our for our grandchildren and our children and our friends and our neighbors? How do we set an example that honors God? The world is in desperate need of, 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 of honorable and noble people. In, in desperate need. Honestly, men who are noble and honorable. Men who, 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 don't, who don't listen with their eyes and think with their feelings. We live in a culture now where people listen with their eyes and think with their feelings and, we, and it, it is causing such, it's such harm. God wants us to understand that honor, honor and nobility is not found, is not found in possessions. It's not found in power. It's not found in popularity. It's not found in your position. It is found in how you honor him. It's found in humility. It's found in truthfulness. It's, it's found in purity. It's found in love. And honestly, bottom line, it's found in excellence of character. And that starts, it doesn't start here, it starts here. Whatever is noble, whatever is honorable, Think about such things. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for this, oh, this amazing day you've given to us. God, thank you so much that we can be together. God, I pray that you would just walk with each person here. These, these are challenges, Lord God, that we all want to face. These are challenges in your word that that help us become more like your son, Jesus Christ. And that's our goal, to be conformed to the image of your son, Jesus Christ. So we ask, dear God, we may, 
and we know we fall short every single day on almost everything I talked about. I fall short so much. We all fall short. But we know that we have one who goes to the Father when we fall short, one who goes to the Father in our defense, Jesus Christ, the righteous one, who's the atoning sacrifice not only for our sins, but also the sins of the whole world. We know that when we fall short, you forgive us when we ask. And we know that it's not through our own power, it's not through our own strength that we'll accomplish all the things that we talked about, but it's through your strength. So help us not to be discouraged. Help us not to feel guilt-ridden, not to feel overwhelmed that we're not being as honorable and noble as we should, but help us to try to live every single day in a way that is noble, in a way that is honorable. And Lord, help us think about such things and not be caught up in what the world says and what's most important and what are we going to do and wringing our hands. We don't need the, you're not wringing your hands, so we're not wringing ours. We trust you. And even during the hardest times, Lord God, there are, oppor- there are great opportunities to reach out to those around us with the love of your son, Jesus Christ and share his truth in a world that sometimes feels so chaotic and out of control. We know you're in control, and we know you're an orderly God. And God, we pray that we would use that truth to draw more people into a a saving relationship with you. In Jesus' precious and holy name, we pray it all. Amen. So now, right outside... As you go out the door on both sides, we've got like snow cones and hot dogs and I think other things. So we'll have a little party out there. So you want to go out there? You have to go. It's okay. But if you want to hang out a little bit, go outside, talk with each other for a little bit, grab a hot dog and just enjoy your time. I love you guys very much. And I will talk to you next week.